in a series called Restless. What is it that keeps you up at night? And today we're going to talk about my failures outnumber my successes. You know, it doesn't really take a lot to make us feel like a failure, does it? A forgotten promise, uh, a careless response, a disappointed friend, and, uh, and, we, and we can feel like we have really dropped the ball. This past week, our, our preschool kids always have a tradition at this time of the year. They, they dress up uh, what they're going to dress up like uh, Halloween, and they, they parade through the, the office wing over here. And, and we had everything from lovely ladybugs to human crayons, from many uh, Captain Americas to a whole plethora of princesses that came down the hallway. And I'm standing at the end of the hallway handing out candy as, long, as well as other staff members are. And this adorable little princess comes up and she smiles and holds out her hand. I give her the piece of candy and she wrinkled her nose and says, I don't like these. <laughs> and then she rolled her eyes and said, but I guess I'll keep it anyway. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. I said, you give that back to me. I give you another piece of candy. I did. She went on her way, and I felt so inadequate. I felt, uh, <laughs> I felt like such a failure at that moment that I had picked the wrong candy. Have you ever noticed how frequently we focus on the failure more than the success? You could have 10 successes and one failure, and what is it that you think about? You are focused on how you failed. We don't like failure. The very word reeks with the smell of defeat, and in our mind, defeat equates with being a loser. We fear failure. We run from failure, and when possible, we do everything within our power to avoid failing. And when our failures outnumber our successes, it has a tendency to keep us up at night. It makes us restless. But should it? We assume that other people will view us with condescension because of our failure. But do they? We are convinced that God is displeased with us when we fail. But is he? For a few moments this morning, I just want us to take a look at, I hope, a godly and biblical perspective of success and failure. And what really is the perspective of the Father and his word on success and failure in our lives. And here's the first thing I want you to remember, and that is that failure is universal. Do you remember the story of the three little pigs? I'm amazed that children's stories contain failure. Our beloved children's story. Do you realize that three out of the four characters of that book were failures? Mr. Straw and Mr. Twigs failed to build quality houses, and the big bad wolf failed to get an adequate lunch. Three out of the four failed in that story and what they were trying to do. And you say, yes, but that's make-believe. I know. I know that's make-believe. Reality is worse. It's 100% in reality. Everybody fails somehow, some way, at some time, at, in some fashion. Everybody in this room has failed at something. Nobody gets it right all the time. Have you ever stopped to think about how many great people overcame failures to become great? Walt Davis was totally paralyzed by polio when he was nine years old, but he did not give up. He failed numerous times in trying to learn how to walk again. And finally, 
became the high jump gold medalist at the Helsinki Olympics in 1952. And from there, he went on to play five seasons in the NBA, even though he'd failed numerous times in trying to learn to walk after polio. In the early 1900s, a young man by the name of Otto Rollwetter sold his jewelry business, decided he was going to make this contraption that was in the back of his mind that he thought would revolutionize the baking industry. And so he started work in an old abandoned warehouse, developed a prototype, uh, and, and had hundreds, literally hundreds of blueprints that he had written out of ideas and thoughts and ways to improve this. And then a fire comes along and destroys everything, even the prototype. It would be another 10 years before he would have a better prototype. And in 1927, he completed that, and nobody was interested in his product. Finally, six months later, in July of 1927, the first commercially baked loaf of bread was sliced on Mr. Rowetter's machine, and the rest is history. In 1930, an industry grew up, a company grew up around that very machine named Wonder Bread. Ever have any Wonder Bread? I'm telling you, his machine was the best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> uh, actually, it was his machine that started that expression. It was so transforming, but he didn't give up. Woody couldn't read until he was 10 years old. It was likely he had a learning disability that had never been identified, but he was committed to educated education. He wanted to learn, and he didn't stop learning, and Woody, who couldn't read till he was 10 years old, eventually earned a doctorate degree. By the way, did I mention that he was also the 28th president of the United States, Woodrow Wilson? the only president we've ever had who had an earned doctorate degree. Here's one of my favorites of all time. You, you'll, you'll recognize this person early on in the story. At age nine, his mother died. At 22, he lost his job as a store clerk. At 23, he went into debt and became a partner in a small grocery store. At 26, his partner died, leaving him a huge debt and he decided to abandon the retail market and study law instead. By the age of 35, he had been defeated twice when running for Congress. At the age of 37, he won the election. At 39, he lost his bid for a re-election at Congress. At 41, his four-year-old son died. At 45, he ran for Senate and lost. At 47, he was defeated in his nomination to be vice president. At 49, he ran for the Senate again and lost. And at age 51, he was elected president of the United States, Abraham Lincoln. Out of that list of failures, what do you suppose was the most important or life-changing failure? Which, which one stands out at the top of the list? Roger and I were talking this week in the, in the offices. We, we both think that it is when he failed as a grocery store owner. That, that was the life-changing one because he went from there to study law. Have you ever stopped to think how, how history might be different if Abraham Lincoln had succeeded at the grocery store business? Instead of shopping at Kroger or Marsh, we might be shopping at Lincoln's. <laughs> the problem is it would be a chain known only to the United States, not to the Confederate States. Because had there not been a President Lincoln, who knows how our American history might have been reshaped. You see, not everything that is a failure is a failure. 
Failure is universal. Author J.K. Rowling wrote, it is impossible to live without failing at something unless you live so cautiously that you might as well not have lived at all, in which case you have failed by default. Isn't that a great quote? You can't go through life without failure of some kind, of some measure, at some point. The Bible is an art gallery of failure. Picture after picture in the pages of sacred script show false starts and missed targets and unfulfilled expectations. As a matter of fact, the list of those without glaring flaws in the Bible is far shorter than those who lived with failure. Failure is a part of life in the past. It is a part of life now. It'll be a part of our lives in the future. To be a human being is to experience failure. Just think about the Bible greats who failed. Adam and Eve failed to avoid the fruit of that only tree that God said, you can't eat of it. It was as if if God put a sign on that tree that said, wet paint. They just could not keep their hands off that tree. But they failed. Cain failed to truly love his brother and in a fit of anger took the life of Abel. Abraham lied to, or failed to tell the truth on more than one occasion as he lied about his wife. Lot failed to protect his family from the influence of evil and in the process lost his wife. Isaac and Rebekah failed as parents because they each picked their own favorite son and they knew it. Like his father Isaac and his grandfather Abraham, Jacob failed both to tell the truth and to treat his family with a sense of equality. Esau failed to serve God because he was too self-centered. Moses failed to keep his anger in check and was guilty of murder. Aaron failed commandment number two and was swayed by the people to form a golden calf as an image of worship to God. Samson failed to follow God's commandment to marry within the faith and he broke every one of the parts of the Nazarite vow to God. King Saul failed to put God first in his reign, and God took away the kingdom from him and his descendants. King David failed to keep his vow of marital faithfulness, and because of his adultery, it tore his household apart. King Solomon failed to use his God-given wisdom to be faithful to God, and we do not know to this day whether Solomon came back to the faith before he died or not. Jonah failed to listen to God, and it cost him three nights stay in the whaler's inn. Peter failed to stay true to Jesus just when the Lord needed him the most around that campfire when he said, I never knew the man. Paul failed to understand God's plan for the ages and persecuted the church. Judas Iscariot failed to recognize God in his midst and planted the kiss of death on the Lord of life. You cannot read through the pages of God's word and not find picture after picture after picture of failure in God's art gallery of lives. Now listen to me carefully. If you've been wandering through the land of Nod, it's time to come back to me and listen carefully, all right, so that you don't miss this. Even Jesus experienced failure. I don't want anybody going out of this room saying that Tom said Jesus failed. I didn't say that. There is is no life equivalent to our Lord, but but Jesus experienced failure from a human standpoint of view. Mark chapter 6 points out the passage in, in great detail. Jesus had gone back to his hometown and was trying to do miracles there, and he couldn't. And Jesus said to them in Mark 6 verse 4, only in his hometown among his relatives and in his own house is a prophet without honor. He could not do any miracles there except to lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. 
You see, from the world's view, Jesus' ministry was an utter failure. He didn't set up an earthly kingdom. He didn't bring peace on earth. One of his disciples even betrayed him, and he died on a cruel cross, rejected by the religious and non-religious leaders of his day. By the world's standards, that failure, that was failure plain and simple. We know the rest of the story. We know it wasn't a failure at all. We know that it was that uniqueness that set him apart as the Lord of Lords and King of Kings and that from the cross came the resurrection that settled once and for all the greatest success story of all time. But from a human perspective, from a human perspective, Jesus knew what it felt like to fail. And he had to feel that because if he was to relate to us in every way, just like we experience it, he had to know what failure is because failure is universal. So... When you fail, just remember, you are in good company. We all do it. But here's the other thing I want you to understand, and that is failure is not final. A Chinese man named Li Fuyan had tried every possible treatment to, to get rid of these excruciating headaches, but nothing helped. But he never gave up hope of finding an answer. Finally, they x-rayed his skull and discovered a rusty four-inch knife blade that had been lodged in his skull for four years. Four years previous to that, he had been involved in an attack by a thief. His jaw had been all slashed up by the knife. And so when they got him to the emergency room and they got him all stitched up, they thought that was it. They didn't look for other problems with the head. And so for four years, he had lived with this terrible pain because of a four-inch knife blade embedded in his skull. We can't live with foreign objects in our brain, and we can't live with foreign objects in our soul. Regret, remorse, guilt, and shame of failure create nothing but pain. So when you fail as a spouse, a parent, an employee, a boss, or a friend, do not lose heart, do not give up. When you fail as a Christian to pay attention to God's word, live out the great commandment to love God and to love others, or resist sin's temptation, don't give up. Physical, intellectual, or even spiritual failure does not have to be fatal, and it is not final. And you say, well, how do I handle my failures then? Well, I can't think of a better Bible example of handling failure than by looking at the Apostle Paul, who, as you remember, persecuted the church, consented to the deaths of Christians, that when he became an apostle of Jesus Christ, could have said, I am not worthy to do anything, gone over into the corner and pouted for the rest of his life because of his failures. Paul didn't do that. So I think his example to us is a pretty good one. We find it spelled out in God's word, and I don't think God would have put it there if it wasn't worth lessons to us. Here's the first one. Forget about your failures. Now, Paul never forgot his past, but he didn't dwell on his past either. Do you remember what he wrote to the church at Philippi? Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, he says, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have arrived, but this one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Do you get that? Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. There's a very real difference from learning from the past as opposed to mourning over the past. Regret blinds you from making the most of your life now. Learning from the past releases you to live life to its fullest now. 
Paul always mastered his failures. He never let his failures master him. If you give up after a failure, you may never succeed in life. I mentioned in the past that Michael Jordan, the great basketball player, <laughs> failed to make the high school team, basketball team, in his sophomore year. But have you ever heard his quote about his career? Michael Jordan said, I've missed 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot, and I missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life. That's why I succeed. He's right. When you learn from your mistakes, when you learn from your failures, it doesn't prevent you from doing better. It enhances you to do better. Paul didn't focus on how he had failed to do what God wanted him to do or how he had failed God in his efforts in the past. He focused on what he could accomplish if God worked through his weakness. And of course, God has said all along, in your weakness, I can work. When you are weak, I can make you strong. Now, I don't know what has happened in your past, but if you don't put it behind you, you won't be able to go on with your life. And folks, you can only go in one direction at a time. You can either go forward or you can go backward, but you can't go in the same direction, or you can't go in both directions at the same time. So you choose. You want to wallow in the past over your failures? You'll be miserable. You want to move on? That's where God will meet you, because God is always moving forward. Here's something else. Forget your hardships. The Apostle Paul seldom spoke about his hardships. He didn't dwell on those either. But in his letter to the church at Corinth, defending his role as an apostle, he writes about all the things that he had endured. Listen to this list. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and I've gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and I've often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. If anybody had a reason to say, I'm done, God. Look at everything I've had to put up with. I've had enough. I've done enough. Who else has got, a, who's got a record like this? God. But he didn't. Paul never used his hardships as an excuse to stop serving or as a reason to blame God for not caring. Failures, hardships, and unexplained injustice in life all too often become stumbling blocks for us in the Christian life because somehow we've concluded that if we're a Christian, the better Christian we are, the less trouble we'll have. And it just isn't there in the Word. Once again, if we focus on what's wrong in our lives, we won't be able to focus on what's right. You can't focus on both at the same time. Life is not always going to be fair. Things are going to go wrong. We live in a broken world. Learn from your hardships, but don't camp out in their campground. Because when you do, you'll be bitter. And bitterness will eat you alive from the inside out. Here's something else. Forget your accomplishments. <laughs> That's right. Forget the successes. You forget the failures, but you also need to forget the successes. Bill Gates wrote, it's fine to celebrate success, but it is more important to heed the lessons of failure. 
You see, believe it or not, resting on your own past accomplishments can be just as detrimental to focusing on your past failures. Jesus told a parable about this very thing. In Luke chapter 12, he said, and he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, well, what am I going to do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grains and my good. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. That's success. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. And then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? The Bible doesn't call people a fool very often, but if you want to be so identified, then rest on your accomplishments and say, I've done my part, now it's time for somebody else to do their part, because what I did turned out really pretty good. God says, don't rest on your failures and worry about them. Don't rest on your successes and be proud of them. Keep looking to the future. You see, with the Lord, every day is a new adventure. There is no repeat of the day before. And I kind of like the way Paul summed it up himself. This is William Barclay's translation of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. We are sore pressed at every point, but not hemmed in. We are at our wit's end, but never at our hope's end. We are persecuted by men, but never abandoned by God. We are knocked down, but not knocked out. So you can sum it up this way. Learn the lasting lessons of both success and failure in the past. Learn from the past, but don't live there. Keep moving forward. Because God only moves one direction, and that is forward. If you want a relationship with him, you can't hang out in the past. You got to keep moving into the future. You meet him today, and he takes you into tomorrow. And who knows? What you consider to be your greatest success might not really be. And what you consider to be your greatest failure might not really be your greatest failure either. As a matter of fact, it may be what God uses to bring about the greatest success in your life. Chuck Colson of Watergate fame and... Uh, the great prison ministry that it established, wrote this some years ago. He said, the great paradox of my life is that every time I walk into a prison, I see the faces of men or women who have been transformed by the power of the living God. I realize that the thing God has chosen to use in my life is none of the successes, achievements, degrees, awards, honors, or cases I won before the Supreme Court. That's not what God's using in my life. What God is using in my life to touch the lives of literally thousands of other people is the fact that I was a convict and went to prison. That was my great defeat. The only thing in my life I didn't succeed in. So when life does not unfold like you hoped or expected, and when you feel like the greatest failure, you just watch for God to go to work in you. You might be on the cusp of your greatest success in life. Early on, I mentioned the, the fact that three out of the four characters in the three little pigs all had been failures. But can I ask you the question this morning? Was the end of the story a success or failure? You remember the story, don't you? I mean, this is not heavy stuff. This is the three little pigs. Are you with me? Okay. What was, was the end of the story failure or success? Success. 
Sure, it was a success. We love these stories because in the end, the one lone character destroyed evil, the big bad wolf, and saved those who were his own. Realize how many stories have that theme running through it? It's because God wired us to love those stories. We've talked about this before. The reason we like those stories is because that's the heartbeat of God's story. In all of our failure, there was one who ultimately destroyed evil and with his resurrection over evil, drew and saved those of us who are his own for eternity. What the world saw is the great failure was the greatest success ever. Jesus is the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And though the world dismissed him, we know that God took what humans saw as failure and made it success. So here's the bottom line. In light of what Jesus has done, the only failure you can't overcome is the failure to plan for your spiritual future. And that's one failure that is both fatal and final. But today, you have that opportunity to make Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, your Savior and King forever.